Welcome to Raise the Standard. We're getting things done by lifting up Christ above every area of life. Uh, my name is Andrew, and I'm an MDiv student at Westminster Theological Seminary. And I'm Bailey, an MDiv student at Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary and a pastor out here in central Georgia. And we Very got nice. a guest on today. Yeah, we yeah. got a guest on. We've got Brandon Dyer from Central Maine. Uh-huh. Brandon, who are you? What's your right. What's your deal? <laughs> who are you, Brandon? Yeah, no, man. I I was actually surprised when Bailey said Covenant Baptist. I'm doing some classes through them right now as well. So, Heck yeah, man. Awesome. That's good. I don't connection. think we have a mascot, do we? <laughs> we don't uh, have, no, we don't just Sam, just Sam Waldron. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure it's Sam Waldron. <laughs> 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 go Sam's. That's right. Go, go Waldron's. <laughs> we, no, we but uh, yeah, man, I've been, uh, been living out here in central Maine for about seven years now. Moved out here in 2000. No, wait. Yeah, about seven years. About seven years. I've um, been at my current church for about six years, so that's why I was confused. Um, but yeah, I've been here for about seven years and... Um, grew up in Rhode Island uh, for the first 20 years of my life, grew up in Rhode Island and went to college in Wisconsin, ended up there for a few years, but then um, got married out there, had a kid and moved back to New England where I desperately wanted to be. So Awesome. So are you, a, are you fully into it? Are you a big Pats fan, big Red Sox fan? Oh, I should have should have guessed it. Yet on. <laughs> yes. Obviously, sporting, sporting the, the well, I mean, wonderful logo. I love that. I mean, I mean, think about this. Think about this. Uh, you know, here I am. I grew up. I I was born in 1987, and so I'm like 13 when the Red Sox and the Patriots, oh, yeah. and you know, in the year 2000, when like they all start hitting a stride of sorts. You know, the yeah. Red Sox are getting better and the Patriots, they start winning. And so my upbringing sports wise, I mean, we had what we called, you know, the decade of dominance, you know, where uh, the only, the only city um, with their four major franchises to win a championship within the same decade uh, awesome. with the Celtics, with the Celtics, with the <laughs> Red Sox, with the Patriots and the Bruins. So yeah, man, I, I grew up in the, just the prime, just the perfect time. That's great, man. That, there's, you can't not, not be a fan at that point that's right that's right yeah being from atlanta we didn't have a decade of dominance in anything (laughs) (laughs) no i got grandfathered into being a cowboys fan with pops oh oh, man i'm I'm like the opposite of you see when from 96 to 13 i had very little to be proud of (laughs) that's right that's right (laughs) except overpaying players and injuries but you know whatever i digress No, that's good. Anyway, Andrew, get us back on track here, man. Okay, back on track. So, uh, yeah, we've got Brandon here today. Uh, he's a he's a pastor in Central Maine, and he's he's a little bit farther along in life than we are, and he's he's decided to come and talk to us for some reason, which we think is awesome. Uh, I reached out to him because I saw his stuff on Twitter. I was like, this dude is fiery, but in a good way, and it's actually you know it's it's needed because. You know, the church at times, we, we just need correction. And uh, that can be done in a sort of like screechy way that uh, some people go about. And that is what it is. But uh, what I appreciate, Brandon, about your a lot of the stuff you put on social media is that it's always it's always uh, measured and it's always 
I think comes with a degree of graciousness and understanding, but that doesn't mean that you pull the punch. So saw that and I was like, this guy's cool. I'll follow him. And then I saw that you did woodworking because you advertised that on Twitter. You said follow <laughs> my Instagram, which I love. And I was like, okay, awesome. Like Bailey also does this woodworking thing. Bailey's also doing the bivocational thing. It's, it's like, you're this Northeastern version of Bailey <laughs> 10 years in the future. So <laughs> we're, we're glad oh, to have that you. is funny, man. Yeah. yeah I, I, Brandon, I've we'll never been, I've never Go been ahead. told that I'm, you know, further along in life. I, I feel <laughs> suddenly quite old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go, man. And what's that, what's that woodworking Instagram handle for the, uh, for the fans out here? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, sawdust underscore trail underscore uh, woodworks. Dope. So like it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I grew up in like independent fundamental Baptist circles and, ah. uh, so sawdust trail, you know, hitting the sawdust trail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harkening back to like revival type days of. You know, ah, I like that, man. That's yeah, really boy. Cool. That's right. So, <laughs> so uh, it, it's it, it's funny because I had put a, um, I had put that on online or whatever, and and one of my old professors from the college that I went to, he was like, "Man, you're you're totally losing cred with you know the reform folks." I'm like. Number one, who cares? But then number two, uh, you know, th this is about my business, not uh, pleasing them. So and and so it was it was one of those like it mixed enough to where like people would be like, you know, unbelievers would be like, oh, that's cool, like Sawdust Trail, that makes sense. But then mm -hmm. for anybody who would actually have my experience growing up or my you know things that I learned about they would know. Sawdust Trail, you know, they would know, right? Yeah, I love that man. That's great. Everyone, go give them a follow. I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. He's good too, man. You've been, you've been killing it for like, you said a year and a half. I thought you grew up doing it. So no, I wish, I mean, but, but admittedly, like I've, I've put a lot of time into it and it became one of those, like, you know, I, at first it's like, all right, this is a cool hobby to get my mind off stuff. And then secondarily it started to become like, Oh, this could actually be self-funding over time. And then it kind of morphs into like, Oh no, actually I can make money doing this. You know, and, and I'm at that point now where, you know, honestly, I mean, I, I do work full time for the church, but, um, I'm, I'm out, you know, in terms of work, I, I've got probably months of work at, at the moment. So, wow, dude. Well, that praise God awesome. on that, man. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Sounds awesome. like, uh, that's encouraging me because like Andrew yeah. mentioned, um, like I, I've only just started dabbling in it and I guess this is a good, like, I don't know. Obviously, for our fans, we're still getting to know each other here. But, uh, right. yeah, I've only built a, a beefcake of a pulpit with the other elders. It's a big old boy. <laughs> and, uh, it's a fridge. And a desk. It's, it's, <laughs> would would it's you make the pulpit out of? Reclaimed wood, man. We didn't do anything okay. too fancy. Just, <laughs> my parents moved on to a big old property um, out here in Milledgeville, like 14 acres, all this stuff. The previous owners had a couple barns just full of wood like barn wood that they just, I guess, got tired and didn't finish with. So we just used reclaimed wood and a couple of supplies from Lowe's and threw it together. So yeah, man, I, I totally agree with you. It's been really therapeutic to get my mind yeah. off of honestly, just ministry work. And, uh, it's encouraging to hear cause I would love to be my own boss, you know, one day. And <laughs> that's uh, right. That's right. Yeah, man. That's right. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it's one of those things, I've always been a fan of things that you can do for your whole life. So like, 
Um, you know, like, you know, if you grow up playing sports and whatever, well, you know, you're really not going to be playing baseball until you're 80, you know, but, um, you can ski until you're 80, you know, you right. can play tennis till you're 80. You can I, mean, I don't know if 80. I tried to ski right now, I'd split <laughs> my going so fast. Right? <laughs> um, but like, I, so I've always been a fan of things that you can do for a long time, even though I did a lot of that other stuff in high school and junior high, but, um, when it came to woodworking, it, it kind of replaced golf. I had been golfing a lot um, several years ago and um, would just go all the time. But, you know, that didn't benefit anybody. I was away from home in order to do it. It just made me mad on the golf course anyway. It turned <laughs> me into a nasty person. And, uh, you know, so like, it, and, and you're spending, you know, you're spending money and there's never any hope of getting money back. Um, but this has become something that I can do from home. My girls can come in and they can, you know, work on their little toy benches that I, you know, they have in there and it's, uh, it's, and, and make some money. So it's been great. And, you know, it's been a huge learning curve, but I've just tried to utilize a lot of time and just, you know, YouTube, I couldn't have done it if YouTube didn't exist. I mean, yeah. uh, the, the kinds of things you can learn, you can learn amazing joinery. You can learn how to read wood grain. You can learn how to choose the right wood for the right projects. Um, all the way down to finishing. What do you what do you finish a product with? And and it, and it's beyond commercials and you know what the algorithms are throwing at you. You can really get into like legit information where these these guys, you know, making a ton of money on YouTube, I suppose, with millions of views. But they're they're providing like data of like the best sandpaper. You know what I mean? And and they have like <laughs> ultra slow mo video of the sandpaper at work to show you which sandpapers. So anyway, all that to say, like there's so much you can learn, man, just by sitting on YouTube for a little while. It's amazing. I love that, man. That's great. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. That's really encouraging. Uh, someone I'm, I'm in seminary right now and I'm, I'm starting pretty soon. Uh, hopefully I can get, uh, hopefully I can do something that is real life and not just, yeah. uh, you know, books and papers and stuff. Yeah. If you don't move to Moscow first. Yeah, <laughs> you're about to give me in trouble. <laughs> yeah. So uh, along those lines, speaking of real stuff or maybe not real stuff, uh, we wanted to talk today, I guess, about like wokeness and how it's sort of afflicting the church and, uh, you know, that sort of has crashed into a lot of our experiences whether it was through like resolution nine last year with the SBC, or it could have been before then uh, it could have been, you know, any number of things, but that's, that's sort of a, you know, a lot of people are talking about it right now. And, and we today wanted to get uh, to get to the topic and to sort of see how, like, you know, as Christians, how we should respond to it and how we should uh, really pursue like unity under the gospel instead of this sort of false unity that wokeness proposes, which is actually divisiveness. So Brandon and or Bailey, what happened? <laughs> uh, everyone is like, everything's changing right now. I thought it was Calvinism and Arminianism, mm -hmm. you know, five years ago, but all of a sudden it seems like even among people who are quote unquote on the same side with Calvinism, now it seems like they're not. So what <laughs> what's going on there yeah yeah i was um, i was talking we got a pretty big college demographic out here um in central georgia and so 
the local colleges. Georgia College, it's Georgia's leading liberal arts university, if that tells you anything. So the, the professors and um, the education in certain classes have a natural bent. I was actually talking to one of the guys, a disciple, the first day. Let me pull up his text so I don't butcher it. But it was his first day of class yesterday. All our students got back. He said, day one back in a Zoom class on South African social justice. Um, so it's, it's something that's definitely well permeated. And I think, as I was talking to uh, the guy I'm discipling, I was talking to him about when this started, you know, when this kind of shift or divide started to look back and see what could have been avoided, look ahead and see how we can fix it. It's usually found at the root of the problem. And um, in my opinion, I think this really has been going on ever since the late 80s, early 90s of the SBC, since we mentioned the SBC, when the big discussion was on, you know, scripture and error or not, you know, when they were having their real liberal leaning and then the conservatives won it back, so to say. And I think that was the Trojan horse that brought this stuff in. You mentioned intersectionality, uh, discussions on power structures, Marxist thinking. I think that has been at play in everything that we're seeing right now. I don't think it's so much the start of something as much as it is fruit being born from people straying away from uh, scripture truly being infallible and sufficient. Uh, you know, as Stephen Lawson harps on all the time, you know, it doesn't matter if it's sola scripture, it matters if it's sufficient, right? If it's sufficient for your life. And so I think mm -hmm. the issue is, especially in Baptist circles, we've gotten away from theology being practical. It's like getting here, Brandon, and, and Andrew, you're at seminary, you're working, Brandon, you're working, I'm here, I'm working. Um, theology actually having an impact on one's life and then living for Christ, living for God and his glory. Instead, yeah. it's become sort of a, a desk, you know, uh, collection. It's just something you just kind of pile up as a decoration. And so because of that, when a more appealing way to the eye to seek peace, which is to sway power from one side to the other, which is the thing at hand right now. Um, yeah, I think it's birthed from a really low view of scripture and viewing scripture as a sweetener rather than, you know, the foundation we build our lives on. So I think everything that's going on right now is more fruit than root, so to speak. And uh, I think the SBC, as usual, in a couple of things, is just a couple steps behind embracing it. I mean, the PCUSA did this a while ago. PCA's recent ruling regarding revoice is trending that way. Um, so you see these man-made structures being corrupted by man-made ideologies. I mean, it's no wonder. So, yeah, that's that's my bit on that, I guess. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah. Um, you know, I think you're right. I. I was talking to somebody the other day about these sorts of things and, and a lot of the, the struggle that I have is, is that they're not finding um, their solutions to these, you know, perceived problems in the scripture. They're, they're finding it outside. So that's why with resolution nine, you could say that critical race theory and intersectionality are, are helpful tools because you, you're, you're not looking at the totality of scripture as or you know, the authority of scripture over your whole life. 
um, and, and, and all that you think about. And you're actually looking over at the world, kind of like that meme you always see of that guy checking out that other girl's skirt while his girlfriend's looking at him. You know? Like, that's what the church is doing right now. Like, we're looking at the skirt of CRT and intersectionality, and we're, we're saying that looks pretty good, and the Bible's looking at us like you're an idiot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it's interesting you talk about how, um, like, we're looking for solutions in a way that Scripture doesn't prescribe. So it's one thing to acknowledge that there's a, that there's a problem in society or a problem about, you know, about things going on between uh, different socially constructed things like races, right? Because that's not an essential difference. That's sort of a difference between men that we've come up with. So you could say that there's a problem there. Sure. We'll grant that there is, um, even though I think a lot of like sociological studies and statistical studies, stuff like that is kind of, uh, kind of botched, but we'll grant that there are like basic problems in society. If that's the case, what's the answer? And the the answer for us as Christians and for us, uh, particularly as Baptists should be like, well, look to the scripture and then let the church and the state start to work things out accordingly. Mm -hmm. The issue is the church and state are working things out, but it's not according the authority of scripture um and it's according to like you said these sort of these analytical tools that are actually Mm -hmm. embedded within a different worldview but we don't think that they're embedded within a different worldview and that they entail this worldview because i don't know we're we're pragmatists we're not super wise when it comes to handling these things because i don't know things have been low-key for us in the last couple decades uh for for Christianity, there hasn't been a lot of pressure on us. Um, so a lot of things as they're coming to a head, I feel like we're, we're having to face these things, but you know, it's kind of like we're, we're it, it just seems like we're, we're late to the game <laughs> and yeah. we're having to play catch up. And if you're not ready, if you haven't been exercising, you're sort of, you know, if you haven't been uh, conditioned, then you're going to get winded and you're going to do something dumb and like tear your ACL. And I think yeah, yeah. something similar to that is going on right now. And you yeah. joked about Moscow earlier. I think that's something that they've been uh, this they've they've been conditioning for a while. They've been uh, you know handling things. I think in the quote unquote culture war, pretty um, proactively rather than reactively. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, and and so, so as you were talking, you know, you think of like an illustration. The church on, on several levels has done a good job in the last, you know, since the, the 80s on, on several important issues. I mean, you see mm-hmm. a revolution in the SBC, you, you know, you see Moeller come into Southern Seminary, you see the SBC overall seem to grow much more toward conservatism. And obviously, there's still a lot of issues there. You have you know, the inerrancy conversation that was happening quite heavily and like there were all of these good battles even things like on egalitarianism and so if you almost imagine you know you've you've got the church that's the castle and you've got the world just beating down the door and you've got good guys standing at the front of the door you've got like guys like Sproul and MacArthur involved in the inerrancy conflict and you've got you know MacArthur again at the head of you know the uh lordship salvation conflict in the 80s and 90s you've got like a lot molar standing there dealing with a lot of egalitarianism. Like you got like really good guys dealing with the world beating down your door, but, but it's almost like 
we got maybe so focused on some of those issues on those front door, then all of a sudden the enemy is like, oh, we'll just slip in the back. Like, look, there's a hole. And, and it's through these sorts of um, woke, woke ideas um, that really are a demonstration of cult- cultural Marxism. Yeah. Um, and, you know, despite the, the uh, Beth Moores and the Karen Pryors and, you know, whoever else that are saying, like, you know, they're going to call you this. They're going to call you a cultural Marxist. But uh, yeah. the reality is, like, okay, we just don't need one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think um, to that point, there's, I think, a false thinking when it comes to these things, like as, as you were discussing, waging the war on the battles at the front door and stuff slipping in the back. I think those things slip in the back because we confuse what it means to be one heart, one mind, and full accord as the Christian body, as the bride of Christ. So to say, there is no agree to disagree on core issues. And I think when those discussions were going on, um, even you can get to the finer grain of discussions between more reformed thinking folks and Arminian thinking folks. And there's, there's tertiary things. I would never tell Dr. Sproul on this side of eternity that, hey, I think you're wrong on baptism. <laughs> Even though, you know, I, I think he might be Baptist now. But. I mean, he's a Baptist now. <laughs> so, I mean, there's those things where there's a healthy level of agreeing that Christ is the head of the church, his covenants are administered in a certain way, um, and a difference in understanding the practice of that. But when it comes to that chief issue of Christ's lordship, over his bride and that they should live a certain way and think a certain way. But you come down to, well, let's just agree to disagree. Or like you mentioned, Beth Moore going on another Twitter lecture, um, trying to get ahead of the horse, I guess. And, and say, you know, they're going to call you this, they're going to call you that. Well, what if the shoe fits? Then what, you know, what if that happens? Because the, the, the problem with this is again, it's easy to, even as a church, while there's a necessity to engage these things on a philosophical level as their philosophical issues, you know, scripture engages them and cuts their head off. Uh, like James 4, 4, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? <laughs> mm. So mm-hmm. it's pretty difficult when that, that door was cracked open by the church with mega churches, seeker friendly churches saying, well, what's, what's the best way we can reach people? What's the best way we can get people in so then we can share the gospel with them? Well, yeah. I mean, functionally, if you're trying to play friends with the world, you might succeed in your pockets, but you might be leading people to false salvation. And then all of a sudden the church can agree um, that there is no identity in the bride of Christ, except for Christ himself. And, so it's easy to look back and be like, well, gosh, how did this stuff happen? And then you get into the practicalities of some of the conversations that people have day to day, and there's still no agreement that Christ is Lord. Christ is the only way. Scripture is the foundation for our lives. And there's even discussion on that. It's like, well, no wonder, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like, where is the sufficiency of Scripture in all of it? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, the founders guys who say like, 
you know, the Bible is authoritative, but we need to open it. We need to read the Bible and apply it to our lives. That's right. That's right. Like, that's right. you know, it's, it's, we, we have to get beyond the lip service to the authority of scripture and actually start, uh, start working. It's like saying, like, right. you know, I, uh, I believe that changing the oil in my car will make it last longer. It's one thing to believe that in theory, but the, the problem is you don't actually believe it if you don't do it. That's right. That's you have right. to actually change the oil so the thing doesn't seize up. Yeah, I, well, an illustration I use a lot with people. I'm sorry, I feel like I'm on a roll with illustrations. Right. But the, the uh, I guess I'm a Baptist pastor, right? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so you have, I, I think you have, you know, almost. There's obviously several, but when you think of like basket weaving, um, you have like Christians who who want to weave together their basket with the Bible and they do the best they can to close up as many holes as they can with God's word, like legitimately, you know what I'm saying? So that their whole of life is carried along by this basket. But then it seems like you have these other Christians who weave together a basket of sorts, but it's really loose and there's all these little holes and, and, and that, that gets understood through, well, the Bible doesn't say that I can't do, or the Bible says that, you know, this is, is the way to go, but, but yet it doesn't exactly say you can't do it this way. Like there all, there's always this loophole of sorts. And so I think that's where you get these individuals who are saying like, look, I've got my basket, but like maybe probably guys like us, I've got, we've got our basket and we feel like God's word is sufficient to address all of these issues that we're dealing with right now. But then you've got other Christians that have all of these holes in their basket where it's just like, no, no, actually, uh, this really handles it directly with CRT or intersectionality or, or whatever it is, cultural Marxism in general. And um, it's like, well, the, the Bible doesn't really do it. So I'll shore up those holes with my CRT or I'll shore up the holes with my intersectionality. And then, so that's a struggle that I find with a lot of Christians, you know, m- maybe they're threading in just all of these other ideas. And, and really when you consider the, the level of teaching that these people are getting in their churches, they're not getting much, you know, in terms of evangelicalism as a whole. Um, you know, even the kind of church that I grew up in, we had Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Bible study, you know, and, and like a lot of churches now, we're just down to like one sermon a week. We're growing up. I got like two a week, plus Sunday school, plus Bible studies, plus Awana, plus, you know, all of those things. And so, like, we're being inundated more than ever by these things. Um, and, and the first thing we do in the morning is we go through Twitter and we're influenced immediately by what's going on in the world and the way people are thinking instead of, like, really, what does God's word say? So even just the amount of, like, word we're getting, meat and milk that we're getting, is just comparably so little compared to, what what the church used to get so it's really no wonder that as our diet has diminished um yep. that other things have taken the place you know that's great yeah. bailey you might want to wrap us up we're about to run out of the zoom call <laughs> has it been is it that time already man it is wow. we'll we'll uh we'll pick back up for part two yeah right. so Uh, As always, let Andrew and I and our guests today send you out with this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Let's get to work, everybody, and be sure to join us for part two.